0: because all of you are into a treat now to get to know Pete Williams a bit. I said when I introduced Ian very briefly that he'd been to our home without me being there. Pete has been to our home many times and I've always been there. So, (laughs) I usually stay home. Uh, Pete Williams, to me you are first and foremost a dear colleague at the Eugle and that might sound a bit strange because you'll soon figure out, oh, he's living in England, Southampton, and then still a colleague of Morgan at the College. But that is one of the wonderful things of the ELF, the networking. So he's part of our team coming to teach in the August every year and uh, later October or November. And he's working even though he is in, the, in Stuff. how did is working for us. But why are you so interesting for us, Pete? Who are you? <laughs> What's your background?
1: Well, um, the relevant uh, educational background is that I'm trained in philosophy, and I'm a Christian philosopher uh, who then spent a number of years working, uh, doing student work. And I now work uh, in the UK uh, with a Christian educational charity called the Damaris Trust, which hopefully some of you might have heard of. Uh, If not, track us down on the web. Um, If you want to know how to spell Damaris, look at the end of Acts chapter 17, which was the inspiration behind the ministry. Um, So I'm involved in uh, teaching philosophy and ethics and so on to uh, A-level students and uh, doing general sort of apologetics in Christian unions and churches. Is and uh, with GimliCollin as well. He
0: we has even been teaching for GimliCollin here at the forum because hmm. if you don't know, it's actually possible to have credit hours it. while you are mm-hmm. here if you attend a pre-form, a closed form, and a So there are a lot of opportunities. But we're here to carry on where we ended yesterday. So in your binder, you find the sheet of paper with the headline, The Search for Truth Project, but now maximizing the impact using documentary series material from Science and the God Question in the context of education, research and development, churches and communities. it's really widespread. We can use this in so many different areas. And that is why it's of importance for all of us in our own home setting to get to grips with what this is all about. So we're really looking forward to the two of you guiding us and having this open uh, question and answers as we go ahead. They are in charge, but we're here and we have a lot to contribute with. So please don't feel shy. Let's just pray for each other, and especially for Pete and Eve. We just thank you, Lord, for another morning, and for another day full of grace. Thanks for Pablo having shared so abundantly from your work this morning. And thank you for the opportunity now to have a focus on how each one of us can actually make the most of all the work that... Ian and his people have put into this science and his project. We pray for each one of us to be open, have a clear mind, a clear thought, and uh, really take into consideration what is in this for us. And we pray for Pete and Ian, give them strength and clarity, and uh, let them always feel the strength in you and rest in your peace and your praise. Amen. Right. The floor is yours, please.
2: Well, thank you very for being school. It's so welcome and integrated, that's appreciated. And also thanks to Tess for being there as this essential uh, backup and keeping us all on track. But also, thank you to you, uh, for me, for yesterday. Um, I had a really thrilling interaction with you. Um, I didn't do what I intended to do and that didn't matter. Um, because I think what we did was was very helpful, very encouraging, and I personally encouraged by your your interest. Yesterday I guess we did manage to focus on the kind of opposition that we face out there. We have an uphill struggle, I think, and it's good as communicators to be realistic about that and and to know how incredible we sometimes seem to, to to other other people and just to take that seriously. And so we talked about developing, in the case of this series in particular, we talked about recognizing what other people have to say and, indeed, representing it in, in, in the programs. And then, as it were, dealing with those issues in an open and honest and sincere way. Now, clearly, uh, the major intention of this, and uh, you picked up on this very well yesterday, thinking about your various national contexts in which you work, clearly... This is designed in part for people who have not thought very much about God or or have negative assumptions about God. And uh, as we demonstrate a little bit more of content today, then you'll you'll see uh, how we we deal with that, how we present the issues to people and the God issues to people who um, perhaps are being engaged to think about it for the first time or the first time in a long time. But another focus today, as reflected in what Margaret has brought attention to, is how can we use this within study contents as well? And I think that's that's very important. My experience of the series so far, because it's still in development, as as you know, um, is showing whole programmes to people, some of them non Christians, and we've been very encouraged by by the reaction. I shared some of that with you yesterday. But I think the same resource can be used to strengthen Christian people as well in their foundational uh, beliefs. I think that's very, very important. And One of the points of interaction uh, with Pete today is is to get his input on that. Uh, As the series develops and becomes ready for use, uh, we want to provide users with studied material. Uh, And that will come in a number number of forms, which I think are um, uh, represented on this sheet and in front of you, this this in your folder. If you if you if you have that, um, the the first point on the sheet talks about the target audience, is the general public. We referred to it yesterday, Church member, I referred to just now. We think there's a real market for this among university students, in schools, and and students of apologetics, but also. Um, Crucially, as, as 1.2 says, church members um, strengthening people in the Christian faith, allowing them to see that that, that faith in God is indeed uh, has indeed a very, very rational basis. So to help that, to assist all that, study at different levels, um, the programmes um, will be produced, on DVD, and we would also like to have thematic presentations on DVD. What do I mean by that? Well. We've got um, hours and hours of interviews, as you can imagine. And in contemporary television, uh, you just use tiny parts, usually, of what people say. So what do we do with the richness that's, that, that's left over? So what we'd like to do is to put these interviews at a, a little more length, um, but still people talking to each other. Um, on, 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 on themes, and that would allow people to say, I'm very interested in, in that. I want to hear more about what people have to say about that. Now, that needn't always be the blood question. It could be science as well. Um, if somebody wants to follow through one of the scientific issues, learn a little bit more about, about it, then there would be an opportunity uh, to do that. So we'd like also to provide study guides and web resources and a group series. And also, crucially, I think, public events. That's where I'm saying here at 2.6. And we've got some, some, uh, some thoughts about how we might do that involving contributors from the, from the programs. And as well as making it an evening of entertainment that would attract people who are not just Christians from, from, from the church. So we will be uh, beginning that process in Scotland uh, quite soon. We would like to see that happening elsewhere as well. And if, perchance, we have the opportunity to work with you in your, in your country uh, on this, then we would certainly want to do everything we could to, to assist you to put on events like uh, like we have in mind. Now a colleague of mine um, in our company. Um, uh, invented a word for this, which I think was rather a good word. Um, I know that she invented it because I was there when it was born, <laughs> but then we went on the web and discovered that somebody in some other part of the world also was using that word. <laughs> so yeah, there's nothing new under the sun, yeah. uh, as Ecclesiastes has said. But the word is still attainment. So that's an invented word. And the idea is that we come for an evening of entertainment and relaxation. But while we're there, we engage with things that are just very interesting. So I would, for example, um, and I would, I would love to have some of the folks we had last night on the culture night performing. When you think of the two pianists. Uh, who the the, the, the or whatever. You know, just that kind of thing. Not a Christian spiritual agenda at that point, but then we bring in John Lennox and Christopher Hitchens and whatever, and, and, and the evening and falls and, and, and we promote the series. And people are there, maybe from churches, um, who say, actually, we want to be discussing some of these things, and you're very welcome uh, to, 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 to come. And it's kind of alpha-type Format that we have in mind, with or without a real personal I think a terrific idea, and we hope thereby to be giving people in churches rails to travel on. See, let me bring you uh, that, uh, sure. that, that property, if I may. Um, I mean, does that fit with your? Uh, image of how we can use, you know, how we can create a context in yeah. which programs like this and materials like this can be used.
1: In Absolutely. As you say, there's there's so much uh, material and you have to shape that as, as ever for the uh, audience that you have available that you can reach with it. Uh, and their kind of threshold of... Um, Academic level, uh, of course, their threshold of, of attention span uh, uh, and uh, yeah, initial interest uh, as well uh, will uh, be all be determining factors in, in what you can kind of get away with giving them as well, what they will be receptive uh, towards. So, uh, a student of apologetics who 's wanting to uh, write a paper or do a talk on a topic is obviously going to, to like be coming to you and saying, "Give me material, give me material. I really want to study this area." Uh, someone who 's just flicking through their TV magazine thinking, "What am I going to watch on TV tonight? The soap opera or well oh, there 's a program on uh, God and science and oh that 's quite interesting. I might watch that um, that 's a very different context uh, to try and communicate." The same ideas, the same content, uh, but in different contexts and different levels and so on. Um, I love the kind of alpha-type idea as well. I think uh, food is always a good idea. Um, You want to, uh, as ever, it's, uh, I mean, Aristotle would have called it uh, just good rhetoric, really. It's not just about the the concepts, the ideas, the logos, as Aristotle talked about, but it's also about the, the ethos, the character of the people who are presenting information to you, the way in which they do it. Um, if I come across to you as a used car salesman, or if I come across to you as a, a sane and sensible and reliable, fair character. So uh, the way in which you're talking about um, not countering um, sort of propaganda for an alternative worldview with well, let's do some propaganda for our worldview, but actually following the love-your-neighbour-as-yourself rule in terms of communication. Uh, Model being fair and giving equal time and letting everybody have their say and not not, uh, imposing a shape on it uh, as the presenter, but letting the the, the content uh, just go out there and and having a a faith that the truth uh, will out, that truth, by its own uh, luminosity, uh, will um, attract people towards itself. Thank you. Uh, That's very, very helpful.
2: Can I ask you a question at this point? So, uh, I'm, I'm also very much aware, by the way, that you haven't seen very much of the, the uh, programme, and I hope to remedy that uh, with this, this morning as well. But I might also say that um, confirming the speculation of yesterday, uh, that tomorrow evening, after the plenary session, the whole of this programme will be shown in the um, plenary hall, so um, at least we can promise you the opportunity then of seeing uh, the whole of, um, of the program. So I feel uh, a little bit more relaxed that uh, <laughs> we don't we see so much um, in here. But my question is um, remembering you haven't actually uh, seen the program, if you were uh, a series like this in your, in your country, would you be anxious to get your hands on materials that have been uh, developed? elsewhere, are you the kind of person who would say, no, no, just give me the raw materials, give me the program, I'd like to make this very specific to our own situation. What, what, where where would your preference lie? second (laughs) Do it for yourself. Because we all have the logistics to do it, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
3: To adapt, because we have um, experiences... Some uh, licensed program coming from the United States and uh, examples and, and cultural way of thinking was totally different to, to Serbian.
2: We couldn't actually uh, air that program, it was useless. You talk about the program itself? Yeah, the program. Yes. yes. I'm assuming you don't want to produce the program by your. Yourself. Too long. <laughs> no, no, no. i talking about the printed material.
3: Because your second choice was
2: uh, yes. giving the raw material, whatever it is, yes. and I'll, then adapting it. Yes, yes. Well, I, I, I haven't used the best description. By raw material, I really meant the core material. That would be a better word. The programs themselves. Like you, can, you can use them. One of the things that we, we, we think we must do is have the programs in, in sections. In fact, I've done this for the presentation here so that I can go to the chapters that I've created. We would create chapters for so, so that you could play a part of the program and um, and then, then then discuss. And any, any other um, anyone see it differently? Oh I'd i rather get material from from you, from us. I'm what sure we found helpful to, to use internet publishing. Yes. Because
3: it's uh, very often, that you need to modify the content. Yes, it's not just you know we make it once forever, yeah. and uh, you save a lot of money by doing it online. Yes, and if people need it, they put it out on the and
2: that's it. That's yeah. you save much money. Yes, that's yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Like yes. uh, I guess it depends on how uh, similar the countries are, uh, because I, I guess uh, from Norway we could. Uh, we could use some British material but adjust it maybe uh, so we didn't have to, to make it all over again but, but some adjustment yes. I think necessary well, I would without saying we will be very happy for you uh, to do that and we'll facilitate this as, as best we can obviously it's helpful for you to know if you're building what's the approach what's the thinking underlying these these programs and so um, just very, very simply it's this, that in each program, and the, the list of what we have in programs was in your folder under yesterday's date and we're on the second page, all five programs were described uh, there, and in each of those uh, programs, whether Cosmos or um, Origins of Life and so on, we take an area of scientific inquiry um, and, and, and analyze that we present the most up-to-date, orthodox, scientific understanding available. That's a pretty brave thing to still claim because science is changing uh, so radically and so quickly, even this week. Um, as you know, if you've been following the news about, um, about developments in the cell and the creation of synthetic uh, DNA, I think. So synthetic DNA? Yeah. Um, but I, I want to, to pause for a moment and I, and I bring Pete in on this with a question as well on this word orthodox. It seems to me that we're not actually in the business in this series of presenting a major challenge to orthodox science. That's not what it's about. It's not about saying science is wrong, it's about, saying, it's about asking the question. Does orthodox science confirm atheism? Or does it, on the other hand, offer some important evidence that points to the existence of intelligence and a creator in the the universe? So, what you tend to find in the programs, with one exception, which I hope we can get onto um, quite soon, is that whether it's an atheist, Who's talking an atheist science scientist or a Christian scientist. But everyone is agreed about the science. And, um, uh, you know, many Christians agree about the origins of the universe and the importance of the Big Bang and that sort of thing. And basically what we're asking is, well, is that consistent or inconsistent? That scientific orthodoxy, is it consistent or inconsistent with the existence uh, of God. And the, the, the more you begin to feel like layers, you know, the more you, you realize it of, of wonder and things that need to be explained, uh, that we must be careful of um, the concept of God of gaps, which I also want to pick up with Pete um, in, in, in just a moment. So we present the most up-to-date orthodox scientific understanding available. And then we show how the facts can be interpreted to support theism. In other words, we ask the atheists, well, how do you explain? And we're asking ourselves all the time as viewers, is that a credible explanation? And we ask theists how they interpret the evidence. So in some ways, it's a simple straightforward matter. Now there's one area in which um, I mean, I just think perhaps we should touch on it, just flagging up that it is a difficult area um, in orthodox science. And, and of course, can you guess <laughs> which area that is? Which is the one that um, gets, gets most people's temperatures rising a little bit, and where the Christians want to challenge the science sometimes. Any thoughts about that? Maybe my question. The origin of life. The origin of life, that, that's right. Um, Better
1: known sometimes as evolution. and um, it, get, it gets the, uh, the pulses racing sometimes. How big, a, how big an issue is that? Um, wow, oh, gosh, that's a very big question, how big an issue uh, <laughs> is, is it? Um, I don't think it's at all a crucial question. I, I would make a, a crucial distinction here. Uh, philosophers uh, love uh, distinctions because it keeps everything nice and neat and tidy, you see. Uh, and I would distinguish uh, between what I would call the doctrine of creation and different models or theories of creation. Now, all Christians, indeed all theists, believe that the doctrine of creation is true, that uh, everything apart from God only exists because God made it exist. That's the doctrine of creation, that there is a, 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 a personal cause behind reality who has an intention for that creation. Uh, to be here, so we're we're here on purpose, as it were. Uh, now, different uh, theists and even different Christian theists hold very different models of how it is that God did that creating. Uh, And there's a whole wide spectrum of of disagreement there uh, and lots of complicated factors from all sorts of different fields, from philosophy, from science, from theology, that impinge on the the choices that people make there. Um, But the crucial issue is, of course, the doctrine. Uh, In terms of of central Christian beliefs, the kind of things that are listed in the Apostles' Creed, or the the kind of thing that I I think uh, orthodox, to use that word again, Christianity, would say, you have to believe in order to be a Christian. So long as you believe that the doctrine of creation is true, you could believe those things as well. So long as you think that creation is true, you could think that creator could do miracles, could reveal himself, uh, could become incarnate, could rise from the dead, uh, could forgive you your sins, etc., etc. And you could... Um, be completely uh, committed to all of those central Christian beliefs, whilst being completely agnostic on the question of well, how exactly did did the Creator arrange for us to be here? So we're helpful. Thank you very much.
2: I'm um, just skip past this, uh, this slide here and this one. I've uh, said that before. Thank you for your patience. Um, yeah. I want just to say a little bit about the structure of the program one day, which I'm going to introduce uh, in the past, and let you see some, some sections some from that. Remember that this is the first program uh, in the series, then it takes, uh, we, we allocate some time to wind up uh, interest. So we ask the question, who is talking about the God question, and, and, and why? Why? Um, and what we suffer, um, is, is about everybody who's, who's interested in, in, in the God question. Um, but then we make life a little bit uh, difficult for ourselves by offering some concessions to the opposition, really. um, who invented gods and why. Well, I can play part of the program that we really see that, and I not know it take time to do that, there are other more important parts, but of course, apparently, Gods were invented by people who had no better explanations uh, for things. And the atheist point uh, very eloquently put in the program is that as time goes past, as science develops, we fill in those gaps and the need for God uh, goes away. Um, And it's sometimes tempting for for Christians and for apologists still to use God of the gaps argument. I recognise the danger in making this program here in front of us. In terms of that, because we can we can recognise all sorts of things that science is struggling um, to explain. And we say, "See, gone." And this is quite uh, a, a difficult argument to sustain, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So I've got two questions here. One is how how dangerous is it to go down that road? But how do you avoid it?
1: how dangerous is it to go down the God of the Gaps road? Well, it would be dangerous if your only um, rational basis for believing in God was that category of argument. Because if that single reason for believing in God, if it were, were then undermined by advances in science showing, no, we don't need that explanation, we've got a, a simpler, equally adequate explanation, which you should then choose by what's called Occam's razor, that would undermine any rationality uh, for believing in God. But of course if you've got other reasons outside of that kind of argument then the advance of science in that area doesn't affect your belief in God at all. All it does is is change your beliefs about how does God precisely relate to reality. So it might change your, your model of creation for example but it won't affect your belief in the doctrine of creation. So um, that's how I would kind of phrase that, that first one, in terms of actually avoiding the what's called the God of the Gaps problem, I would actually, as a philosopher, analyze uh, what people mean by criticizing argument as being a God of the Gaps argument. Is what philosophers call a, um, an argument that's, that's kind of missing a, a, a step, an argument from ignorance, an argument that says, we don't know how X happened, therefore God did it and there's this this jump but of course for a philosophically sound argument you need two premises this is the case and this is the case leading to a conclusion and therefore this is the case Socrates is a man all men are mortal therefore Socrates is mortal so simply to say uh, we have no scientific explanation of X you can't then leap to the conclusion therefore God did it um, what often gets criticised as being that kind of argument but which actually isn't is arguments saying we have no uh, materialistic explanation for X here is another premise saying uh, that by some certain rule of argumentation the best explanation would be that some a god did it or a designer did it and here is my conclusion that a designer did it. Now those aren't fallacious arguments, they may be wrong or or, or right for other reasons Um, but you can certainly make design type arguments that aren't arguments from ignorance
2: And I I think that it's very important in dealing with the God question, particularly with people who have no faith in God whatsoever I think to to do two things one is to retreat from the, the idea that you can never prove anything here Hmm. This is about the balance of evidence. And that being the case, you want to base your evidence as broadly as possible, which is why this series goes from the cosmos through life and evolution, through brain and into sacred texts, and deals with the question of of, of, of suffering as well. Hmm. Um, and, and of course, it's very important that we want to step into the, pro, into the program on sacred texts to look at the possibility that Jesus Christ was in fact the revelation uh, of God which is a hugely important issue so in the whole apologetics issue who was Jesus is extremely important Then that's apparently very different from the, 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 the cosmological information but, but put all that together yeah. and you're looking at a spectrum of issues, which which together give real substance to to the argument, and I think helps us to move away from this idea that, oh, there's something we can't explain, so God did it. It's the whole show, kind of, and the whole agenda that we need to keep before us at all times, I think. Thanks, Peter. I'm going to skip the last two bullet points here and just move on to part two of the programme and, and start to illustrate this. And part two asks the question: um, as we come to the cosmos, as we get get through the earlier parts, the foundation parts of the programme, setting the scene and so on, is it intellectually credible to accept a role for supernatural intelligence within a rational, scientific understanding of three things? The origin of the universe, the existence of natural laws, and its apparent fine-tuning for life. Now, can I ask, ask you, um, to what extent do, do you um, recognise those those issues as being irrelevant? Because you know about them, relevant to the the God question. I mean, do you know about the fine-tuning of the universe, for example? Is that, is that a concept which which you're not? Terribly familiar with. Yes, quite quite famous. Okay, so yeah. Okay, so, you, yeah, okay. so the, in that case, we don't. I don't need any further explanation about um, what that deals with. You yeah. To, okay, am I alone in this? I mean, I, I was expecting that everybody. Say it's not. <laughs> okay. Right. Rather Yeah. I mean. The, Without going into detail, because I'm going... To, I think we'll switch over to the DVD. The yeah, sure. Um,
4: yeah, I think maybe putting in some explanation for the audience who have no idea. Right, okay.
2: And, and I'm doing this simply because I can't afford the time to show you how the program develops this. But we do think a lot of this would be um, very new to a lot of people. I mean, as, as we walk around the earth and think about you know, what we're going to have for dinner and where we're going to spend our vacation and so on, we, we tend to forget, perhaps we never even knew in the first place, what it, and, and, Enormously wonderful environment um, we, we, we live in. Well, here we are on this globe spinning in space, and um, you know held within the solar system by what Einstein has led us to understand as curved space, you know, which is filled by something that uh, the scientists describe as dark dark matter, and we're held there, governed by laws. Mm-hmm. Uh, laws which can be described in a language. It's the language of mathematics. Now, if you think that orthodox science, never forget we're talking orthodox science here. Orthodox science tells us that we came, all of this order came from a big explosion. And nobody has ever heard of an explosion which leads to such order, you know. if you put, um, as one of our interviewees says, if you put um, uh, dynamite in a pile of bricks, you know, you've just got to be in a complete mess. But yet, out of what science is pretty certain, was just a big explosion, we have all this order. Now, it's not only the existence of the laws, and um, like the most famous is the law of gravity, but it's how those laws are themselves that's terribly significant. So, for example, gravity is a very weak force. Otherwise, I couldn't do this. If gravity was a strong force, then I would be crushed. There would be no possibility of life. On the other hand, if the force that binds electrons to the nucleus of an atom um, was to be weak, then we would all just fly away. And so the electromagnetic force has to be very strong. So basically what you're saying is if you had to write an essay on the conditions that are necessary for the the kind of life form that we enjoy on Earth today, you would have a massive number of conditions. Now science is not able to assert those conditions. It's able to discover those conditions. And so that is really what the heart of this program is about. And we turn to atheists, and we turn to theists, and we ask, how do we explain? So, what I think I'd like to do is just to uh, introduce you to some bits and pieces of that of that agenda uh, on, on the screen. And then really the focus then needs to swing to on the basis of those kinds of maybe just fragments of information, Peter Mm -hmm. um, how can we use that kind of material those kinds of ideas within uh, an apologetics context within the church especially Mm -hmm. so that's where the focus uh, lies um, from, from, from here on in so I'll be jumping through Uh, A little bit, so um, apologies for the fact that we have to do that, but I know that you understand why.
1: (laughs) Okay, here's where we find if all the technology is working as well.
2: So, this is is chapter 7. We join right into the cosmos itself, where against the background of facts about the universe, we ask if modern science leaves space for God.
5: I think there's a, a, a question that uh, science cannot
6: be brought to bear Is there something questions. out there? Is maybe. maybe. I would skip yeah. What kinds of experiments could we run to get out an answer? God being immaterial and uh, not acting in quote to the regular,
7: predictable laws. then That wouldn't come under the scope of science. The God that most people worship now, rather than so, the federal God, is a God that participates in the and there should be signs of it. We need to learn how
5: to discuss yes, just... and be open, and be prepared to change our views if the evidence
6: so requires. This is a really new element. Those who defend the Christian worldview are stuck with the one they've always been stuck with. Give us your evidence, and then I'll assess it like I would anything else. Let's
2: go. 100 years ago, when astronomers looked at the universe, they believed it had always been there. They were wrong. It began 13.7 billion years ago with a bang, nicknamed the Big Bang theory is as certain
7: as anything in science. I suppose nothing in science is ever mathematically certain, like 2 plus 2 equals 4. But... It is the kind of certainty that simply makes it not worthwhile considering alternatives. The universe started, first of all, with the Big Bang, which was this hot and very dense
0: state. The, the phrase "the Big Bang" it's it's kind of a misnomer. Um, there wasn't a huge explosion like a bomb going off. It was where space basically began to grow very quickly.
2: So space showed up. Was it? Not even the upon a time. Peter, let me just um, ask you. Um, we, we've only just begun to move into yeah. the very elementary portion of understanding of what, what's going on here. Already, are we looking at evidential material that can, that can be used? You know, the fact that the universe had an origin? Um, as Kim Weaver from NASA said space, I love this expression
1: up. so space, showed up okay. showed up uh, it raises all sorts paradox it doesn't it you really kind of want to ask well, where did it show up to which the answer is "Well, the, the, there wasn't any where in which it showed up this is the showing up of a where in the fir- in first place as, as it were um, the, the most immediate kind of apologetic connection uh, is of course with a certain kind of argument for the exist- existence of God called the cosmological argument. And there are various forms of that, but there's one form, um, particularly uh, uh, well-known Christian philosopher called William Lane Craig from America that you may have heard of, is famous for bringing this argument to the fore, particularly because of scientific discoveries about this idea of there being a, a beginning, a start to space-time. Uh, and um, his argument kind of simply goes like this. Um, everything that has a beginning has a cause. We now know from scientific evidence that the universe had a beginning. <coughs> what follows from that? Is um, that the universe had a cause, uh, he would argue. Uh, it's a very uh, simple argument, there's lots of complexity under there and a whole discussion around it, but already we're, we're plugging into uh, in sort of the medieval period that argument was discussed in terms of philosophical kind of mathematical problems about was it possible for there to be an infinite regress of things? Can we
2: actually um, asked that
1: question? You, you do get into that we've question. Got, yeah. We've got, um, and
2: this is one of the interesting things I think, um, we, we discovered that somebody in America is working on that precise thesis mm. that the universe did not in fact, our universe did not begin with a big bang mm. but a big bounce. And his argument is is that our universe came from somewhere else. Uh, ah, very interesting. Uh, maybe maybe yeah. your issues are, are <laughs> null and void now. Maybe we've got another answer, but but it, not so, right? I mean,
1: the no, Big Bang doesn't answer it, does no, it? No, no because uh, I, there are other cosmologists who, who say whether or not the Big Bang was the first... Um, Bang, whether it was a, a bounce, a bounce of what? A previous state, and they, they will argue, again, scientifically, that um, any uh, universe that's in an, uh, on average, state of expansion must uh, have a finite, at least, series of bounces must be finite. Um, particularly if you look at like things like thermodynamics, it's a like, bit like dropping a, a rubber ball. Uh, It might bounce a couple of times. And if you look at the last bounce and say, oh, where did this ball come from? It came from here. Someone else say, well, maybe it bounced from somewhere else. But that doesn't justify the, the, the assumption that the ball has been bouncing for infinite amount of time. It might have been bouncing three or four times from when it first started the bouncing process. It's very hard to get our minds around the fact that there must have been a beginning,
2: and once upon a time there was nothing. In fact, what, um, what orthodox science says, and many of you will know this, and I apologize, but as we see in English, teaching our grandmothers to suck it, I discovered they don't use that expression in America. <laughs> you didn't know what I was talking about. But, you know, I want to be telling you things that you know so well, but, but science, orthodox science believes that At the very beginning, all matter, everything that ever went on to exist was crammed into this tiny dot. It's an incredible
1: idea. And I think...
4: It's
1: not only matter, it's matter and space. Yeah, space-time space, space. Space, space space. indeed. I was teaching my class. <laughs> okay, so I can yeah. it. Yes. <laughs> and there's even some, something of a dispute over uh, how you describe that very beginning point, because uh, some will describe it as a, a point, a, almost like a mathematical point, so it has not got volume, in what sense is it a thing, a yeah. material thing if it doesn't have volume, uh, of infinite density. Well, again, there are mathematical puzzles about that. Is it just that it's like really saying there's a boundary, there was a start, there was a beginning uh, to things? It's not the idea that they're sort of hanging around for a long time with this sort of super dense pellet of matter, which one day suddenly decided, oh, I think I'll expand. So there are some
2: huge, I mean, you, you, you know this, but I'm just drawing it to your attention, and I'm like trying to model the kind of thing that you were trying to get across to your audience. Uh, if you're in a discussion uh, context, that there are huge issues to be answered. And science does not actually have the answers. And I think people like Richard Dawkins um, like to forget that that is the case and promote the view that, well, science has all the answers. And the problem is that that message has been very effectively communicated to the world out there. Uh, that's the, the idea they carry around uh, in, their, in, in, in their heads. So I'd like to just underline for you that in this series, Search for Truth, we don't avoid the hard questions. You know, we actually go looking for all that science can tell us about the hard questions. And I'd like to introduce a part of the program in which we do that. And, you know, before we get too smug about the, about the Big Bang, I think, well, they are, there's a notch up for, uh, up for God. There are people who are looking, are working on alternatives. So I want to show you one that I have already mentioned, and that Peter uh, has, uh, has chatted with us about, the, this idea of the Big Bang. I'm going to show you a man who's working on that. But you'll also hear him admitting, no, it's not the answer, in terms of where we ultimately came from. But then that's followed by another one, which is potentially shocking which is, what if the universe could have invented itself, and there's some scientific reason to believe that that isn't so? Uh, I think it's quite important for us to know that people think that might have been the case, and what's the evidence uh, for that? Can we go to um, Where is chapter it? 11 um, in this one? And um, you'll uh, hear um, a Atkins, who's a very prominent atheist from at Oxford University, introducing a section by saying what science, the need. and what science um, really needs to do, God is to find a way of showing that, that science God.
1: can demonstrate how the universe God. came
2: into being without God. The, the, the menu
1: thing doesn't seem to be working very much. This menu. menu... How
7: can we
2: explain um, before
1: that? Yeah. Uh, so
2: you can me. here a uh, to, to number like
5: okay. yet do, and one day I think it will touch turn today, is thinking about how a universe can come into existence without intervention, without a
2: creator. And that's going to be really tough for science. this is a challenge that's been taken up by Martin Bougivol. How close is he to cracking the mystery of the Big Bang's origin? Using mathematics, Roosevelt is exploring the possibility that our Big Bang was caused by a previous universe collapsing in what is described as a big bounce.
7: Um, so what we have in these bounce models,
3: for instance, is really uh, something before the Big Bang, because it was a collapsing universe.
2: Like ours, that universe had been expanding. But having reached its extremity, the process went into reverse until there was a state so dense it powered our big bang. Does this solve the problem of our ultimate origin?
3: Well we certainly don't have the complete equations, we still have to make many more observations to pin down all the parameters that are still free. And um once that is done, one might um, see if that's really a complete theory, but this contracted universe itself must have come from somewhere else. There is one answer that appears to avoid this problem. The idea is that the universe could be um, spontaneously created out of
2: nothing. Apparently absurd. It makes no sense at all. Imagine objects suddenly appearing without obvious explanation that's how it is in the world of the atom the world of quantum mechanics it breaks all the rules of common sense there is no
3: question that our universe is quantum mechanical quantum mechanics
2: theoretically supports the view that our universe like other aspects of the quantum world could simply have appeared out of nothing
3: to ask what caused this universe to pop out there's no course, there's just probability for this to happen, and so it happens.
2: But why should a universe, as fruitful as ours, just pop out of nothing and somehow rework me? Think not of one universe popping into the quantum world. Think of... Multiverse, millions of tiny universes, at least one of them with the capacity to survive.
3: The multiverse idea is that there's a universe generating mechanism and it's, oh, we get a universe here and oh, we get a universe there and maybe there's an infinite number of them and all possible universes are uh, uh, represented somewhere in this large uh, ensemble.
0: The idea that there might be multiple universes kind of comes out of the idea of quantum mechanics, that things can show up and disappear very small scales, and so if you have one universe that shows up over here, maybe another one can show up over here.
3: To get this to work, uh, we still have to have uh, some physics in this multiverse at that level. We still have to have a universe generating mechanism with all sorts of properties. Uh, We still have to have a means of distributing laws among the universes that get created, even if they're different laws in different universes. It could be, but if a kind of chaotic universe tumbled out of nothing. then it wouldn't survive, it would just collapse
5: back to real nothing. And it may be that our universe happens to be that happy chance of nothing transforming
2: itself into what seems to be something that seems to persist. Uh, um I recognize this is and i um, I don't know if you, if you were able just to process what he just said. And, and
1: I guess you probably didn't. Yeah. Um, doesn't even seem to be absolutely sure that we really are here at all. It seems to, pers- seems to persist, yeah. sure does. Um There
4: is a common misconception that in quantum mechanics, Uh, it is possible for things to come out of nothing which is not true Mm. they would tell you that you need space for things to come out of space so you you, you cannot uh, have nothing and come something but space is something, space is not nothing if Mm. something comes out, it comes out in space it's not in in a void so it's not true that uh, in quantum mechanics mechanics, things come out uh, from nothing and also the universe would come out of nothing And that just illustrates the advantage of
2: having an expert when you're discussing um, these things. And that's a serious serious point. That's as heavy as the science gets, by the way, Uh, in this. I've taken a risk of showing you the heaviest bit of the science. But I think it's a a crucial thing. I think if we're going to have a serious look at this, we have to just learn a little bit of science. And we have to encounter the idea that, well, maybe... um, Maybe this is a challenge, is it, um, that the universe could have popped out nothing, but I didn't think 100%. But the thing that I, we, we, before we had that little exchange, I wanted to, Peter to, to, to comment on was the um, Peter Atkins comment, his explanation, because, you see, one of the things I, I really like to observe is when you put the atheist on the rack, you know, when you really pin them down and ask them the hard questions, you get that kind of answer. Mm-hmm. And that's terribly important for people to see. I don't know, is it possible to go back and just listen to his answer? It's not the most dripping piece of television, but intellectually, it is, it is a crucial, crucial thing to hear a man say. He is just, as we say, grasping at straws. He's just fumbling in the dark. She'll just collapse back. To real, just to write the little bit. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's asked the, 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 um, the, the question: you know, is, is, this, is this an adequate, That's this multiverse, uh, an adequate explanation? Oh,
3: the property is uh, we still have a means of distributing laws among the universes. Comment on a creative means, there are different laws in different universes. It could be that if a kind of chaotic universe
5: tumbled out of that, then it wouldn't survive. It would just collapse back to real nothing. And it may be that our universe happens to be that happy chance
2: of nothing transforming itself into what seems
5: to be something that seems to persist. The thing
2: is, our... Nothing transforming itself into something. Nothing transforming itself into something that seems to persist. Mm. I think there are lots of apologetics issues derived from what we learn about the
1: universe, mm. but there are apologetics mm. issues deriving from that kind of statement. Is there, would you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, one replies. Uh, I absolutely agree with you about the, the the kind of scientific reply to that. Is uh, in a sense he's just um, using his words rather vaguely and not being precise enough about the fact that in what you need a, a, a causal background, uh, as Paul Davis was, was talking about, and you can. Well, where did the causal background come from and why does it have the, the properties the, the very complex specific properties that are needed to produce lots of different universes why doesn't it keep spitting out universes that are all identical why are they all different so that you would end up with one that is possible for life you know? it, all that kind of reply is doing is, is shifting back the problem a level but doesn't get rid of the problem it's like um, pushing the, the wrinkle in the carpet to another bit of the room and sticking a wardrobe on top of it and saying, don't look over here, you know. But there's also metaphysically where he he sort of starts, notice where he starts off, saying, well, it it could be, now let me tell you a just-so-story, one could imagine that, and he might be able to tell a a, a lovely sort of even consistent logically consistent story about how things might have happened but that's not good enough that's not strong enough to undermine an alternative uh, belief that's justified by some evidence you want to say to him well maybe it could have happened like that but have you got any reason to think that it did happen like that and I think I'd, I would have picked up on one of the comments we had from him earlier when he started off saying "You know, science is going to have to face the challenge of explaining the universe without a creator he's starting with the assumption that there's no God, and then saying, and what's the best explanation we can come up with on the assumption that God had nothing to do with this? And he'll believe whatever the best explanation is on that presupposition. But of course, that's, that's just like um, uh, pushing the most important issue uh, under the rug uh, again quieter
2: today. I, I know you're t- more tired today, but I mean, should I leave a space or comment from you this?
4: I'm curious about, uh, you are presenting us some arguments, and maybe counter-arguments, but I'm curious, as uh, uh, people as media, what is the impact of the DVDs that you produce? And how do you measure the effectiveness, if they are useful? Uh, and what responses do you have for, from people? Do they really make them think... Or is this, some, is this different from uh, what Discovery Channel we present? Because I think Discovery Channel has also scientific progress on the origin of the universe. And they only interview probably uh, scientists, not not Christians. Well, there are many questions. So of these the... are, these mm-hmm. are uh, questions behind uh, what we see. Yes. Yes. As, as media people,
2: uh, I think perhaps I, I try to picture two questions. Uh, there, One would be, what is the difference between this and some science programs in the Discovery Channel? And, and the second question was, what uh, impact um, are we able to detect? Um, among people who are seeing this well. so me think with the second one first, um, which is a slightly dodging the issue because uh, these programmes have not yet been released, so uh, and the audience tomorrow night will be by far the largest audience which has seen uh, the, the programme so far. But, but some non Christians have seen this, particularly in the media. And uh, their attitude to it has actually been extremely positive, which is, I never thought about this before. Which helps me to answer the second question, which is what is the difference between this and other programmes, on, say, Discovery uh, Channel or National Geographic. And one uh, very important answer to that is that we are... We are not just making scientific programmes, but we are actually asking: What is the implication for the God question in this? Does this shed light? Does this contradict the um, faith? Does it undermine faith in God, or does it actually support uh, faith in God? And we are asking atheists and and, um, and believers to state their case. In other words, to look at the same science, to look at the science that we're agreed about and, and to,
4: to see how they interpret that. And I'm not sure, I think maybe you have already said, but where do you distribute this material? In your in television or uh, by DVD? Both. Is it is is the
2: plan? Both. I think um, I'm on the, on the clock here and um, what I think I'd like to do is just show you the end of the program because where it's all going uh, that' that's really in, in a sense where you're coming from too and that's chapter 14 um, and of course there will be many references here that you wouldn't necessarily follow completely because you haven't seen the, the, um, the, 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 the whole program but I think that um, it's important that you see how the laws of physics appear to be right. disorder Deposit deposit's well, <laughs> the, pause, the pause is fine um, I know some of you are involved in, in, in production, and uh, one of the many production challenges in something like this, you know, um, how do you try to balance these things? Um, because I am, I suppose, instinctively biased, you know, I have an interest in how this results. And one of the important questions one to ask is, how do you end the program like this? what's the last statement and who has it because by the time you get to the end of the program although there are some mutual characters in this some scientists like from NASA who are not asking God questions by the time you get to the end the audience is very clear about who's who who thinks what? So, who has the last word <laughs> is, uh, is an interesting. I think so. Here's a part of the last section of the uh, of, of the program as we try to say how do we um, how do we resolve this? We how can we explain? I don't know that I can answer the question
7: why there are rules. No. I'm not sure that we would ever be able to answer the question why there are laws. Darwinian evolution has nothing to say about the
6: fine-tuning of the initial constants and quantities of the universe or intelligent life. We don't know enough about it yet to be able to say, now we know for sure that these configurations of the laws of nature have no plausible explanation within science, therefore we have to possibly something outside of this this world. We don't know enough about that. So I would return to my, it's okay to say I don't know. We don't know yet. I don't know. You don't know. Let's do some more research about that. string theory, which is our current best candidate
3: for theory of everything, I think their biggest hope would be it would eventually show that it is inevitable.
2: That you know, the Lord had to be like this, but we don't know yet whether we will ever have something like this. So we have to be satisfied with just pushing, pushing the questions. Meanwhile, isn't using God as an explanation just filling in a gap that one day will be replaced by scientific knowledge? This problem
5: the gap thinking is very dangerous, but. To offer us God or science, I think, is very cynical. That God is a sort of Cheshire cat deity who vanishes
2: with the advance of knowledge, always over the next intellectual horizon. That, of course, can't be the true God. God isn't just lurking Mm -hmm. in the murky places of the universe, which we don't understand. God is the God
5: in the whole show. It's the whole show, so to speak, the whole panoply. Of what science does that for me is evidence that points towards the creator. We're basically left
7: with three alternatives. Either physical necessity, that is to say, the universe had to be this way, it could
5: not possibly have been any
7: other way. Physical necessity, Chance. That is to say, it could have existed in different ways, but it's just a lucky accident that the universe is fine tuned for our existence. Or finally, it's due to design.
5: Science. It demands an explanation. And one of the most possible, in my opinion, the most possible explanation for the fine tuning of the universe is that there's a fine tuner. Who's in favour of the motion?
3: that uh, the confer- I think it is confirming evidence. Christians believe in science. Christians believe in material rela- reality. They believe in a law-like nature to existence. They believe that we are discovering God's laws after. Mm-hmm. The question is, looking at
6: the universe, I discover that, that to me is the strongest argument that somebody has made it. And those kids. Yes, well, you're touching on there what's called a fine tune nature of the cosmos. It's the only argument that's worth making if you're a theist, in my opinion. The only one. Um, because it is pretty peculiar that the laws of nature are constructed in such a way, not just that you and I can be here, that the light like can be here, that it, that, that it can even be atoms, therefore there could be planets and stars and so on. Okay, well that's 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 a legitimate mystery. A mystery that has uh, several different possible non-theistic explanations. Uh, one of which for example is uh, well on a superficial level the universe is not very finely tuned for life. There's hardly anywhere you could live. The universe looks very like, much like it should look. So, like, uh,
7: creation looks like uh, what is the, the universe came from nothing. Up? You might say that the Earth's distance from the sun is finely tuned to make life possible. But in fact, we know there are billions of planets, most of which are inhospitable to life. And it's naturally only on the planets which are hospitable to life, like the Earth where life arises and people start asking these questions. And it would require no divine fine-tuning, just as it requires no divine fine-tuning to put the Earth at the right distance from the Sun. It's just random out of many billions of planets in the galaxy, some of them are the right distance from their stars. If I could argument, assume only one kind of life, our kind of life, but it's a kind of life, like possible. What if we only know what then if there are multiple universes out there, well then we have the universe suited for us, and there's no issue at all.
3: That's the whole well, thing. I think it's a of dilemma. I think that the so universe really is ordered according to mathematics. T- uh, T- no,
5: that's the deepest fact. The function is so self-evidently there that we've got three possibilities: either there is a creator, or there is a
3: multiverse. The idea of shunting the problem off from the universe to the multiverse, I think, is uh, a uh, You can just ask the same question well, where will that come from? Uh, what about the laws of the multiverse that generate universes that have laws of their own? You really can't explain things just by but it's
5: just a trick. And I think that is possibly an evidence
7: of the desperation of some people because the multiverse theory has become enormously popular. I think it's grossly premature to conclude that the universe exhibits signs of an intelligent design. Uh, I think we are the winners in a lottery, and we may feel blessed by that, but it's really just chance. The odds are simply incomprehensibly overwhelming. In this case, it is entirely rational to believe that, in fact, the lottery was rigged. The only ones that are speculating, I'm not absolutely convinced of anything, but any alternative view seems to be uh, so implausible it's not worth it, seriously. To see to just very fortunate is not an explanation,
5: it's
2: to give up explaining I would find it very unconvincing to treat the proof of the universe as if act had the of a because you know that, that luck in some sense, or that design, it, I would prefer to say, was built into the fabric of the world from the start. Now that seems to me to be an extraordinarily significant important thing about the world. Not to be shrugged off as, uh, as a happy accident, not to be explained by saying, well, maybe there are just trillions and trillions of universes that we don't know about, which are all different from ours, and we're just some winning ticket in some uh, multiversal uh, lottery. You
6: have to place your bet based on evidence and argument. And evidence and argument really is on the side of people who don't believe in Zeus. And it's likewise on the side of people who don't believe in the God of Abraham. A position that i working on it, still trying to, to figure it out is an a noble one. No one else can
5: decide for you. Is the evidence, where is the point, is it enough for me to commit my life and base my life on it? I want to be both open to the a okay. 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 please. Okay. Because it
3: would mean that I would
5: become double in supplies. I'd um, very much like wrong. I would very much like to be immortal. But so I'm afraid that uh, so, you know, I don't have
2: any hope that is the case. So. Okay, so in the continuing search for truth, we we'll determine to air from the next program. I think yeah. It's the end of part one. The yeah. part one, yeah. The musical
3: background was sort of commentary itself. First you it have the worship party yes. with the affirmation and, you know, <laughs> 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 don't you feel lost in all these kind of arguments? <laughs> no, that's a good plan. Uh, that should be perhaps in the recess.
2: Peter,
1: final comment from you maybe on the
2: apologetics study point of view?
1: Uh, I think from an apologetics point of view, I think perhaps the most useful crucial point you could bring out of a program like this uh, is that point you made about the difference between the fact that they agree on what the science is, is telling, what the data to be explained is, but they're all disagreeing about how best to explain it. And very clearly from their comments, that disagreement really comes from their worldview, from their philosophical positions, their openness or lack of openness to a belief in a God uh, and so on. And it's those philosophical beliefs that they bring to the table that is shaping how they Handle explaining the data that the science is giving us. So, uh, as John Lennox would put it, it it's, there's not really a, a conflict between science and religion. It's a conflict between different philosophies. Thank
2: you. So, I think you need some coffee. Thank you. Before coffee, we'll thank you. But even before that, any
0: questions? Anything that really? struck you this session or maybe particularly when we saw it was not part of the program. Uh, I, yeah. the one, I was surprised with uh, uh,
1: uh, 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 John Lennox. John Lennox saying that multiverse theory is getting more popularity. Last mm. time that I checked it out, it was on the fringes of normal sciences. Say. So it's obviously mm. beginning more popular, and it is so counterintuitive mm. that I, and, and, and it's, in one sense I've, I've wondered if you were using it uh, sort of to say, look at this, you know, hear this stuff, and, 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 and kind of make your make your. Uh, uh, intuitive decision on, on, on science they did it on us using the creation of uh, short short how do you call it Creationist seven there uh, there is one Morris I think the senior one made a comment about the, the, the craters in the moon being made by Satan you know and they just put it off this this is what what non-evolutionists are saying you know just kind of ridiculing it so I was just wondering if that was a part of media strategy here you, no um, it's not to
2: ridicule it it's to alert, it, as necessary as well to ridicule itself um, because when you ask the, even the neutral scientists, like Paul Davis, if you recognize the, the, the name, the guy who's uh, sitting outside, um, about the credibility of this, they just say uh, it doesn't have credibility. And yet, if you talk to Richard Dawkins, you will um, recognize that um, he is pretty much dependent on that.
5: <coughs> yeah, and
4: the multiverse, yeah. Okay. yeah, so, yeah. That's a possibility, I Yes, I, I, would go, I would probably go with that <coughs> as a possibility yeah. you personally would no, he, he, oh, he would say yeah.
2: yeah. But I would, I would probably go with yes. the multiverse. but you know it's also true to say that uh, even if there are multiverses and I don't know that we could ever find out I mean would you agree that, doesn't, that even that doesn't invalidate well, if, you know, if
1: you can empirically access it from this universe yeah. doesn't that mean it's, it's empirically connected but this universe doesn't make it the same universe how, how can it sort of by definition be a, a, an entirely separate thing unto itself if we can empirically access it so
2: yes. uh, more question um,
4: uh, I guess I'm not alone feeling that these are uh, intellectual uh, very demanding questions to think of it's heavy on
2: your mind uh, and and uh, question I, I uh, was curious if the atheists uh, pose is whether uh, this um,
4: uh, complicity uh, makes it difficult for Christians to believe in God. Why has he made it so complicated for us? One for you, I <laughs>
1: I'm not sure about the the, the question uh, here is um is the very uh, complexity of the universe, the fact that it's so hard for us to discover how it works and to kind of fathom it out, does that make it difficult to believe in a God? Um, Well, only if you had the prior assumption that if there were a God, he would, of course, make a very simple, easy-to-understand universe. Um, Well, if you think that there is a God, uh, a greatest possible being who is omniscient, you know, as uh, intelligent as it's impossible possible to be, and, and so on. Um, why would you think that he would necessarily uh, do things uh, as simply as possible, or as economically as possible? I mean, sometimes people um, make critics of design arguments and so on by, by saying, Oh, you know, isn't it wasteful of God to have spent all that time in the universe before people appeared? If, if that's kind of one of the main points of the universe, why didn't He just just create it in six days? You know, surely that's the obvious thing for for Him to, to have done. Isn't that kind of wasteful and so on? But then you were using notions of of of, of wastefulness that. Does that notion even apply to a being who has unlimited resources in terms of power and, and knowledge and, and time? You know, it's not as if God's going to get bored, kind of waiting for people to, to turn up, or uh, as if He could have used the available resources a bit more efficiently, and that would have been a, a good thing. He, he's just creating everything by, by sheer will. Um, so, I, I think that the if you dig into the assumptions behind that kind of objection you actually find that the assumptions don't uh, make a great deal of sense and, and certainly don't come with, with much sort of positive argumentation in their favour
4: Could you repeat the question a little bit? I would like to have a comment yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I thought it could be an argument for
2: the atheists that, that the universe is so complicated and difficult to understand
4: why has God made it this way if he wanted us to yeah. believe in it I would say two things, one for the atheists and one for the Christian. I think that if if you would have made a much simpler universe, it would would have been much easier for atheists to to say that it was simple to pop up into existence. And then, uh, I I think God purposely created it complicated and complex, although uh, there are only four basic laws in physics, I think, so it's not really, it's complex, but not complicated uh, too much. And uh, this argument always, I think, in Romans. And there is also a verse in in Ecclesiastes where uh, Solomon, I think, says And I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This sword travail hath God given to the sons of men to be exercised. So, God intended us to search and do oh. research, maybe scientific research. <laughs> Thank
0: you very much. And I see there are more hands, but the room monitor is very strict in order to show her loving care for us.